0: what works with social media? Today, I'm going to be joined by Daniel Keating, and we're going to explore LinkedIn content creation tips and techniques that are going to be amazing. You're going to love them. I just finished the interview, and there's so much great stuff in here. You're going to absolutely love it. By the way, I'm at Stelsner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter. If you're new to this podcast, follow this show. We've got some great content coming up. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Daniel Kaden Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I am extremely excited to be joined by Daniel Kading. If you don't know who Daniel is, he's a content strategist, consultant, and coach who helps small businesses and creators craft compelling content that attracts customers? He's also the author of the LinkedIn Engagement Playbook. Daniel, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here and super excited.
0: I am as well. So today, Daniel and I are going to explore how to create successful content on LinkedIn. Now, before we go there, Daniel, I would love to hear your story. How did you get into LinkedIn? How did you get into social? What's your story? Start wherever you want to start.
1: Cool, cool. I love this one. Started out with poetry in high school, got really involved with writing and I really felt like it was a better version of art for me. It was I was able to express something that I was not able to through artwork. It felt more vague to me, less obvious what I was trying to communicate. So I started writing. I picked up some Jim Morrison books. I fell in love with that sort of poetry and prose and sort of that dark side of it where you could really talk about uh, the human condition and all that stuff. And I got really into it. I eventually transcribed that into a bit of slam poetry for three years. And I
0: performed and okay what is slam poetry for people that don't have any idea what that is
1: performance poetry so you compete and you go back and forth round for round with other performers and poets who try to win over the crowd win over the judges and cool yeah and so it's it's a different form of poetry that that really challenges you to try to find a way to appeal to pure strangers and so through that I, I really felt like I got a lot of actual copywriting experience out of it. And I learned a lot about how to work an audience and also to have that confidence to do that. So when it came to actually creating content, it wasn't nearly as scary for me because I'd already done that. So fast forward a a few years, I have a daughter with my wife. Yeah. And and that was a huge turning point for me. I gave up on the manufacturing job that I've been working in. I was just tired of depending on somebody else in a cubicle. Four, four, four floors up to figure out whether or not I was going to get a promotion or not. So I didn't like that. And I left that job, got back into school, finished my marketing degree. But during that time, I was in online school doing a lot of discussion boards and talking to a lot of other people. And no one really seemed to be as obsessed with these ideas as I was. And so I started taking what I was putting in my discussion board onto LinkedIn. And I found a community. I found a ton of people that really seemed to like it, really enjoyed going back and forth. I realized really quickly that there was a lot of little tricks and ways that you could hack the algorithm through simple conversations and leading things forward and creating that buzz through asking questions and and genuinely wanting to get people's insights. So I eventually started meeting with other creators and a lot of the stuff I knew was really not as obvious to them as it was to me. And I started freelancing, selling that information to other people,
0: Just out of curiosity, when was that? Um, When did you start this LinkedIn journey? How many years ago was that? Do you think, what year do you think that was?
1: I'd say I fully committed at the start of the pandemic, basically. And then the freelancing started about halfway through that. I'd say two years now, uh, roughly, maybe a little bit more.
0: So you're, you're on LinkedIn and you're creating, what kind of content were you creating on LinkedIn, just out of curiosity?
1: In the very beginning, it was all about just telling stories from the road of like, being in sales and, and working in this application startup that I had I was in for a little bit. And it was a restaurant app, deals from discounts for college kids. So it was all about the college kids. And I would I would write about all these crazy weird stories and interactions I would have trying to boost this platform all over town, talking to so many random people. Like and it's amazing how hard it is to get a college kid to spend five bucks on a subscription on an app. But anyways, you know, that's another story for another day. But uh, you know, all these things I started learning. And I'd share those sales experiences and, and tag salespeople and and a few other tags and get other salespeople to share their insights. And, and yeah, that was kind of the very beginning for me was talking about just stuff that was happening around me and I'm still doing that. So,
0: (laughs) so when you started to get traction on LinkedIn, you started right around the pandemic, it sounds like. So somewhere along the line, I think you mentioned that you started doing courses or I don't know, some sort of. Taking on clients or whatever. But tell us a little bit about that business journey and maybe bring us up to the present as well.
1: oh, the yeah, the process of of getting from that point to this point, yeah,
0: just just a little more of that story, yeah, exactly. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, in the beginning, I, I was like, I'm a freelancer. Yeah, I'm offering services. I don't know what to charge. I was like, what is this worth? I didn't even know what it was worth yet. In the beginning, I got the idea from a friend on Twitter, I basically did a Twitter thread and I was like, dude, did I do okay on this? Like what went wrong? And I sent it to him and then he screenshotted it and gave me some little pointers and and left a comment box. And I was like, whoa, the lights went on. And I was like, I could do this for people on LinkedIn. And so I was like, I could check people's stuff and I could give them feedback. And so it started out as like this content check where I would check people's content, give them feedback, help them improve what they're doing. And then it really quickly, it became, they needed me to ghostwrite for them and they needed me to do more for them but yeah the first few clients i had my head in the clouds i had you know no idea what i was doing had no idea who to appeal to i was like oh you want to work with me let's do this you know like and very quickly i realized that i really wanted to work with people that believed in linkedin at least to some regard to start out with people that had already in advance had bought into the to the fact that they could build a business by simply sharing their stories in a very consistent manner on LinkedIn. And the yield would be higher and they'd be able to do more with it. And those connections would mean so much more than just customers, but partnerships and relationships and and loyal fans too. So yeah, but it very quickly moved into that. And, and I feel like I've gotten to that point where I've I've reached that stride where I am tra- I feel like I'm charging the right amount and I have the right kind of people coming to me. And that's because I've worked tirelessly on my brand and trying to make sure that like when people come to my page, they know why I'm here and what I'm here to do. And hopefully they're inspired by some of what I'm saying.
0: Excellent. So today, what are you doing? What are the services that you're offering Just tell us that a little bit. Is it the same kinds of things you were doing two years ago?
1: Uh, Right now I'm writing. My biggest thing is doing ghostwriting for LinkedIn creators and business professionals of all sorts in any kind of industry, but anybody that has a lot to say and they need someone to help them figure out which direction to place it. So right now I'm doing that. That's, you know, I do 12 pieces of content for each each one. That's three a week. They can fill in the gaps in between if they want, or three is probably a good amount and will be perfectly suitable in the algorithm. And uh, yeah, so I help them write it. I also not only develop the content for them, but I also bake in all, all the calls to conversation and you know, calls to action and and all the storytelling features that you would want to see. I try to make it very approachable and dialogue based and conversational because there's too much snooty stuff on LinkedIn already. So I figure let's keep it casual, let's make it fun for people. And it also makes it more enjoyable for everybody to respond and get involved in the conversation too. So yeah,
0: Excellent. What I love about your story is you went from X to Y, right? Went from working a job you really didn't enjoy doing to experimenting with LinkedIn and realizing you could build a business for yourself on LinkedIn and then began helping others do it as well. So there's a lot of people listening right now that might be a skeptical a little bit about LinkedIn. Maybe they're more on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and they don't realize maybe the potential of LinkedIn, So what do you want to say to those listening right now, whether they be creators or marketers or entrepreneurs, what is it about LinkedIn in particular that they ought to pay attention to? Why is it such a good platform?
1: So let's tell a story because that's the best way to do it. This is something that happened to me kind of early on when I just got started with my freelancing stuff. I I was literally just analyzing brands that I thought were doing a really cool thing with their communication of how they appeal to their audience. And so I took the Gong brand, for instance. I was in love with the way they had presented themselves. and like I worked in a SaaS floor or I worked on a SaaS company and I was doing email and I was trying to sell over the phone. And whenever someone hit the end of the month and they got their sales quota, they hit the Gong. And I was just like, that's exactly the value pitch in the name. And so I wrote a whole piece about how nuanced it was, and I thought it was super cool. And one of their like SDRs or something commented on it. And then a few other people started commenting on it. And before I know it, I have the CMO Udi Lattergore, who I had literally just listened to on a podcast a few weeks before that you know, talking just amazingly smart stuff. And and then all of a sudden he's commenting on my post and he's joining in on the conversation. And the whole reason that happened is because LinkedIn is set up like that. They want to have you on the platform for as long as possible, just like any other. But the way they do that is by connecting people that know each other on a one-on-one basis and people that may be associated And so if I had at the time, if I was like ready for that, you know, ready to catch lightning, you know, like I could have stayed in Udi's circle and I could have continued to post content because as soon as Udi commented on my post and I responded to it, the algorithm is saying we know each other and now it's going to match up our algorithms to some degree. And so, you know, if I had just posted the next day and I'm talking to Udi again the next day in the comments, that post will show up in, the, in his feed. And before you know it, you're on the main page of a top executive at a huge company that you just were listening to on a podcast. So I think there's a lot of power there for entrepreneurs and people that want to scale their businesses or just build a small service based 10 client business that they want to work from their laptop, you can create that content, you can build an incredible message and you can actually get connected with big names at big companies uh, on accident, really. But if you're putting a strategy behind it and and you're thinking ahead, about what each one of those touch points is going to do. You can send a DM at a certain point and and say, thank you so much for engaging with my content and being in my circle. And and I appreciate that so much. And, And if that person responds to you, even if you're not sending them a sales DM, now all of a sudden LinkedIn's paying attention to that. And they're like, oh, they're talking in the DMs. These guys are close. And so before you know it, you're seeing their content, they're seeing your content, and you never sent a sales DM. But your content can do a ton of passive selling about who you are and what you do with your clients and and you get to tell that story. So I think it's really impactful because that content becomes a part of your social selling strategy because it builds trust passively with people like Udi or a whole bunch of other people. And I have had so many moments like that where, yeah, you, you end up connected with people you would never expect. And, and I think that's what's really cool about it.
0: What I really like about what you're talking about is if you think about Twitter, it's really hard to say very much because you're going to have to do a bunch of tweets. Or if you think of Facebook, Facebook is the only other real platform that allows you to write really long comments. But the algorithm on Facebook is different than the algorithm on LinkedIn. What I love about the algorithm on LinkedIn is the moment someone comments on LinkedIn, their network sees it, right? That's not how it works on Facebook. When you comment on Facebook, um, only the people who are following that page and happen to be in your network, see it, right? So it's far more granular. And I, I love the fact that every comment does open up a whole new possible exposure to people to see that written word content. So let's talk about your strategy, like at a high level, obviously we're talking about written, but there's more to it. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but what is your strategy, your LinkedIn content strategy at a macro level? Talk to me about that.
1: Uh, I hope I answered the question correctly, minus the big terms like macro
0: and micro. Well, okay, let me me rephrase. What is your content strategy at a high level? Let's talk about that on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'll
1: just, I'll get into the weeds with you. I post twice a day minimum to LinkedIn. I try to do a contextual post every morning if I can. What I mean by that is something that's more flushed out, really goes into detail and gives people something to chew on for sure. I'll post that in the morning, you know, sometime in the range of 10 to 12 o'clock, and then I'll do another post in the afternoon, 3 to 6 p.m., whatever. And and it could be something really experimental, whether it's a series of pictures, a carousel that I've repurposed from a tweet thread, or a, a video that I've repurposed from TikTok, something that maybe is repurposed and taken somewhere else. And I share that process behind it. But the big thing is that I try to make sure that I have a very good system of note taking so that I have that in place at all times. And you can call them content buckets, you can call them content pillars, whatever you want to call them, uh, but places where you collect your ideas under a specific umbrella, and you come in there and you pluck them out and you flush them out at a later time but you remember to keep them. Because I feel like the biggest insights come, and I've talked about this before, but like the biggest insights are when you don't have time for those insights. And so if you are able to capture those and allow those interruptions into your life and keep them and save them for later, you can expand on them. Because some of my greatest pieces of work have started one line that just kept playing in my head until I eventually I did something about it. So that's one aspect of it. And then making sure that, When I'm creating the content, I'm paying attention to the way the audience is taking it in. Are they really getting a ton of value from this? Am I talking a lot about myself or am I talking more about the things that would be of interest that are separate from myself? Do you use a ton of iMessages in the beginning four lines of your post, there's a good chance people aren't going to click. They want to know what's in it for them and why it matters to the rest of the world. You can talk about yourself, but maybe save it for the next few lines, you know? And and so anyways, those things come into play. Yeah, but I I really try to focus on that design.
0: So a couple things that we did talk about when we were prepping for this thing was this concept of engagement marketing. Does that trigger any bells? Yeah. Content plus community a little bit, like riff on that a little bit.
1: When you get ready and you actually start posting this content, and when people are actually talking to you, I see so many people that just leave the comments completely left alone. And they don't realize that the person that commented has a huge network and you not responding basically leaves that off the table. But as soon as you respond, it's a conversation and LinkedIn values that. If it's five plus words, even better. So if you do that and you respond every single time to each person that drops into your comments, not only with a thank you for swinging by because they, they dropped a comment. That is a literal a reshare on their profile. And it's also going out to a huge swath of their followers. And so when they comment, they're literally sharing your posts. So I think there's a thanks in order, especially if they're a new person. And you want them to come back, treat it like you're a restaurant owner and they're stepping through the door and you want to make them feel like this is a hospitable space where they can share their ideas, get some genuine feedback, Whatever. you know, Think about that stuff. I think that's so important and it's really left out. And so respond and then ask an open-ended question. Keep the conversation going. If someone leaves out context, ask for more. If someone says, this is a great idea, ask why. And then put a curious reaction on your response because you're curious. And it's another touch point because why not? LinkedIn doesn't hate on it. Twitter would, but LinkedIn doesn't. Yeah. All those little micro touch points are so important. And then Beyond that, like after you've gotten a conversation started and a comment has officially hit that post, you can now go back in and you can comment on your own content and LinkedIn isn't going to know it's you. And so you can drop a comment. You can ask an additional follow-up question. Say you left some context out in the post to get people thinking like, what is he talking about? You know, like they want to ask a question if you leave a few things out, it's just kind of part of the strategy. But at that point, you could add in that context in the bottom. And then when people respond to a comment that's already been created, that's a conversation. It's not a comment. It's not just a solo comment from some random person. That's someone talking. So that adds even more touch points on top of that. And then, you know, like at the end of the day, the comment section inside your content is your domain. So at that point, you should drop a calendar link and you should say, does anybody here want to work with me for X, Y, Z? You know, at that point, this is your area, you know, like this is your dojo, you know, let people know that you're here for a reason. You want to share great value, but you're also here for a reason. If anybody wants to work with you, feel free to click the link. And, and that's huge. And those just create more touch points. It just creates more engagement on the post and. There's even more. You can screenshot the comments, you can turn that into, into content in the future. There's so many insights that happen, and so it fuels your your content machine. That's the engagement side. but all of that sort of fosters a community of people that legit love you, you know like you respond to them, you talk to them. There's so many people out there that just it, just act like they're too cool for school, you know like, But even people like Justin Welsh, who are huge names on LinkedIn will respond to every single one of their comments because they know how important it is. So if Justin Welsh is doing it, why can't you?
0: (laughs) Well, this is fascinating. We're going to get back to your posting techniques in a little bit here, but I want to talk about this. So what I heard you say is obviously when you create your content and people go to the effort of commenting, and most people don't, right? So those that do, are doing it for a reason. And if we're intellectually honest, some of those people might be trying to do the same thing you're doing, right? Some of them might be salespeople or marketers trying to engage with you. Irregardless though, those that go out of their way to leave a thoughtful comment, not just nice work, you know, but something perhaps more like, Hey, I totally agree with what you're saying. I really resonate with your point on X, Y, or Z, right? So many of us feel like our job is done once we do the post but we don't realize that there's so much more opportunity if we engage them. And this is not just on LinkedIn, frankly, it's almost on all platforms, right? We don't think to engage and that's not scalable, but some of the best clients probably come through these engagements. Am I close? Am I right? Oh
1: yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's not scale. Or I mean, it's not like you, you can just put a, a number sign right next to it. But I mean, I literally landed an awesome role at an agency, a TikTok agency, simply because of a conversation in the comments, you know, and that was on TikTok. So, I mean, like it does go everywhere else. I do think it's all over the place and, and we should be engaging. And there's, I think there's like the opportunity of it too, you know, like there's so many people out there that aren't responding with legit questions and really going the extra mile to create a conversation that gives you an opportunity to be that person. And so when you do, that stands out. And and my biggest growth in the beginning on LinkedIn was just by talking to people in the bottom of the comments. I would go all the way to the bottom on the biggest names, on the biggest accounts. And and I'd find all the comments that had been completely ignored. And so I'd find the people that said something awesome. And I'd tell them it was great. I'm happy you shared this. I'd ask them a question and engage them. And they'd respond and be like, Whoa, who's this guy? Like, how'd you find me? You know, like, no one else saw this. And then I'd go to their profile. That would send the, another notification that I viewed their page because LinkedIn is one of the first places to do that. Now TikTok's doing it. But anyways, so now you have that touch point. And then if you comment on the post, you also are going to send an alert to every single person that also commented on that post. So if you're one of the people that also joins in that conversation, that's another notification. And then you go back through and you react to a few other people. and And those little things drive people to your page. And if you have an optimized profile that looks great and and you're sending a good vibe and you're clear about why you're here, people are going to follow you. And they're going to be like, this guy's doing stuff, you know? Like everybody else is out here just updating the world on their new job. This person's creating content and sharing that insight. And that builds the community. Because you think about it this way. Those people that are just random accounts just barely, you know, they're commenting on stuff, but they're like not quite sure what they're doing yet. They're here and they want to do something. They want to talk to people. And so if you're the person that ends up speaking to them, all of a sudden, the algorithm is going to be putting your piece of content in their feed every single day. And they're going to be reacting to it and commenting on it because you went the extra mile for them. And they're going to love you from the beginning. And I have so many people, like a squad of people like that. I just love them. I'll respond to any DM they send me. And so that's that community side of it. And And those people are growing their businesses at the same time. They're building their networks. And every single time they comment and talk to you back and forth, it's a cross-pollinating effect. And you both validate each other. And so a lot of the people that got started when I got started are still growing because they're talking to me and I'm talking to them. And LinkedIn keeps that connection going, which I think is just so powerful.
0: This is awesome. Okay, earlier you mentioned that you're posting twice a day. And in the mornings, you're doing these contextual posts And then I think you said in the afternoons, you're doing experiments, right? Yeah. We're going to get into the different kinds of content that you produce, but I'm curious about the topics that you choose. Give me an example of a contextual post and give me an example of an experiment, maybe something you plan to do tomorrow or something you did today, just so people can have an understanding of what we're talking about here.
1: An experiment would be me doing carousels or something like that, which is a set of slides, you know, like a presentation style. And I've been repurposing my tweet threads and turning them into really quick carousels. And I love it because I don't have to do the text. I don't have to do the emojis my images in every single slide. It's just really easy. And and I'm becoming sort of like a thin to win creator when, when it comes to that, because I don't want to put too much time into that. So that's like an experiment. That would be something I would run in the afternoon and and just throw it out there to see what people think. And and plus, I have a global audience. So I, I don't want to just post in the morning. I want to post in the evening too sometimes. And, and so I think it's good to put content out at different times of the day and, and just have fun with it. Because the, the, LinkedIn is all over the world at this point. So, you know, you could have people in the Philippines or you could have people in India. and So it doesn't really matter what time of day. So in, in regards to, what, what was your
0: original question? I'm sorry. Give us the contextual morning example. Of what- oh yeah,
1: contextual morning. So yeah, I would do basically something that has to do with my industry, essentially. You know, like in the mornings on, on Mondays, a contextual post would be something that has to do with storytelling. I usually focus on storytelling on Monday. People are coming off the weekend. I probably thought of something that really inspired me over the weekend about my past or something. You know, I've worked a ton of random jobs and I love bringing that stuff up and bringing it into the now and talking about how it has affected my, my current. And I think people really enjoy that stuff on Mondays and then Tuesdays. I jump into a tangible tips and tricks about LinkedIn. And so I'll try to focus on something that is super actionable. You can do it right now. It has to do with content creation, things that are reachable and easy for people to grasp onto and, and just bring up something they've never thought about. And then Wednesday, I do a process-based piece. But frankly, everything's becoming a process-based piece. But on Wednesday, I talk about something that I discovered while being a creator that other creators could benefit from. And so that one's for like the homies, the people in my crew that I really want to help out, you know, and just keep everybody inspired. And then Thursday, I'll return to like some of my branding pillars of, of branding, engagement, community, content, social media, all that jazz. And so I'll just kind of keep it random on Thursdays. And then Fridays, I used to do like a community based post where I'd shout people out. And then on the weekends, I keep it really fresh and I just do what I can really. But I do a lot of random stuff on the weekends because everybody's on and, you know, like you get a different flock of engagement. So, Maybe you focus on something a little bit outside your niche on those days. So, yeah. And those execution strategies help me stay sort of grounded in what I'm doing. And it makes it so that my content's appealing to a wide reaching group of people, not just one specific target audience.
0: Okay. So, you mentioned earlier that you're on TikTok. And you also mentioned we started the interview talking about the written word. I would love to explore the different content types, you know, written and video and images and kind of how you use them differently or what your thoughts are on using each of them
1: so when it comes to all the different content forms and
0: and where they well yeah what works right like does long form text short form text let's talk about video let's talk about images let's go through the medium if you will of communication a little bit what works for you
1: on linkedin yeah like the long form 700 to 1300 characters has been long the like standing amount that the algorithm wants to see and also not shared content or whatever. That means original, you wrote it, you posted it, content. And actually LinkedIn does not enjoy shared content, considers it redundant. And a lot of times, even if you share something, it actually doesn't do anything to really boost the content, especially when you consider a comment is essentially a social share. So
0: yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. So, So the written word are you publishing this on your personal profile? Are you publishing I don't know if they, that's what they call it on LinkedIn. Are you publishing on your page? Both? Like what where are you publishing?
1: My personal, for sure. My business page is basically just a bookmark. You know, I don't I don't use it. It's, just, it's there, so there's not a blank image. I, I, I guess I'm a little OCD like that.
0: No, that's totally cool.
1: Yeah, I really like to make it look nice. And uh, don't they
0: have a creator mode or something like that on LinkedIn that you should turn on? Does that sound familiar? Are yeah,
1: you- yeah. Creator mode's a nice feature. A lot of people have their mixed feelings about it, but in the beginning, the argument was, does it actually do anything to boost your content? I don't really think it does anything to boost it, but it does make your profile look way better. It gives you five unique hacks hashtags that you can associate with yourself and your industry. So that clears up keyword room in your headline. So you can focus on your message more than just your keywords. So a lot of people will put like, you know, content strategists and SEO and, and all this other stuff. But you know, like they don't actually speak to their audience in their headline. So it clears up room for that. And then it also shows how many followers you have, where normally it says 500 plus. So that gives you a little bit of clout. And when people see that, they're like, oh, 6,000 people are following. Okay, I'm going to check this person out. So, And then it also gives you the ability to upload a profile video. So I upload any TikTok that's 30 seconds or less because you can't go any further than that. And I'll just swap that out and, and give new things on there for people to look at every so often. And then it also moves your about section below your content. And it prioritizes your original content on the feed not the activity. So a lot of times it's just activity. So does anybody really care that you commented on XYZ's post? Not necessarily, but, they, but if you have four original pieces of content, you want the world to see it. So it prioritizes that on your main page because you're a creator. So I think it's a really nice thing. And then also I think the featured section is a little bit more advanced too. I'm not positive, but yeah, it just makes things look nice.
0: Another big advantage is instead of having a LinkedIn connection, it turns into a follow. That's like the default position.
1: That's another thing too. Yes. People follow you. They get, they come here that like the follow is like you're following because you want to see their content. Because when you connect, then it it's like you get both. But a, a lot of people are like, well, I hate that because then they don't see my stuff or whatever. And I'm like, well, don't you want to engage with people and their followings and get to know their communities? You know, it's not just about them seeing what you're putting out. Maybe you got to give a little to get a little, you know, and I think that's a huge plus, like not having people immediately be able to DM you and takes that sweat off. And then a lot of times people are way more comfortable saying you a connection because they're like, oh, cool. Thanks for not hitting me with a pitch slap right off the bat. You know, like
0: 100 <laughs> percent back to this written 700 to 1300 characters. Are you composing these in LinkedIn? Are you using a Google Doc or a Word document? Because I'm just curious. Like, sometimes it's hard to write that long inside of like a mobile app or whatever. Like, how are you composing these? Do you compose them somewhere else and paste them in, or what's your thoughts on that?
1: My notes app on my Apple, it, it's on my MacBook too. It's convenient like that. I'll do anything to get that idea into my phone. If I'm driving, I'll just hit the record button on my video. I'll just start recording myself and I'll save that in my notes app. I don't put anything on there. I just come back and I play it and I transcribe it into a post. But yeah, I'll keep it in there and then I'll go into LinkedIn and I'll start writing a piece of content. Now, a lot of people don't like doing it this way because you can sometimes have issues or like you accidentally refresh the page. Just don't refresh the page. Be respectful of the feed. And then I'll write it out because I don't want the formatting to get jacked up. So if I were to write it in my notes app and paste it over, you get all kinds of spacing issues. So I write it inside LinkedIn and then when I get done with it, I will take that rough draft and copy and paste it into my Google Docs. And pre- previously, I would save those and batch them you know, three or four in advance. So I'd have an entire week worth of content ready and good to go. And so that's what I started doing for my clients. And now I just write in the moment. As time went on, I got better and better at it. And So I keep my stuff super conversational and I will just pull out an insight. I'll sit down. I will figure out what I feel about it. I'll just start jiving with it. I mean, I've been writing for half my life. It, it happens. I, I've been doing it a long time and it just, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. So I'll just, yeah, I'll write that stuff out and get it ready and then I'll post it. And that's been my system for quite a while.
0: Are you actually using scheduling tools or are you manually, like, like I heard you say, you start with notes because whatever those ideas pop in your head, you put them in your notes. And then it sounds like you compose them on LinkedIn, either on the desktop or on your phone, and then you'll refine them in Google. Could you, if you wanted to, you could write them in Google docs and paste them in there with that work as well or no?
1: Once I get it from LinkedIn over to Google docs, I can make changes and move things around and, and flip things and whatever else. So
0: you can edit the post, right? Or do you not have the option to edit the posts? once they're published
1: on LinkedIn. Absolutely. You still have the option to edit the post. So yeah, I oftentimes recommend that people go back and make changes. It's like they don't realize they have that edit button and I use it quite often, but if you click it within the first 15 minutes, you can hurt yourself in the algorithm apparently. So,
0: ah, okay. So when you're writing uh, 700 to 1300 characters, People sometimes think of words, is that like five or six paragraphs? Is that kind of what that calculates out to be? Basically,
1: yeah. If you think of it this way, a tweet cannot be longer than 260. So it's not that many. It's, you know, it's a pretty short piece of content. It's split. I never let anything go beyond two lines because. You, you want people to feel good reading it and they can drift off if you have four or five plus lines clumped together. People are super stubborn about this, but I won't read your post if you have more than two lines connected.
0: By the way, this is a copywriting concept that we should talk about because my background is formally as a copywriter. A lot of times one sentence can be a paragraph because the white space around paragraphs is really important because a lot of people skim. But if the paragraphs are short, like what you're talking about, there's nothing for them to skim. They're just going to go from thing to thing to thing. So if you have a long sentence, it probably ought to be a paragraph on its own. Is that generally what you're doing is uh, most sentences tend to be a paragraph. Maybe you'll put two sentences together. And then when you craft your stories, because these are all stories, right? Do you have a technique that you use like off the top of your head for people that maybe don't not understand how to, how to tell stories in the written word? Like do you always start with a question or do you always start with a a little bit of a challenge that happened to you? Like, how do you open these things up? Generally speaking,
1: if I could quantify it, I would say I take the ending and I put it at the beginning.
0: Oh, so I was turning around the corner and then all of a sudden I saw this crazy accent and then you go back and, and then you lead up to it. Is that kind of how you would do it? Uh, let
1: me see if I can describe it because, you know, a lot of times it happens with my clients and they'll write out a piece of content and the hook is at like the very end. It's like the best line of the whole entire thing is at the very end after they've summed up everything, they've gone through it all in their heads, they've written it down, but they're processing it. And then by the end, they have figured out the real meat and potatoes of what this is and why it matters. And so I'll take that. A lot of times, and I'll just move it to the top, give it a little nail polish or whatever, and then it, it's good to go. But a lot of times, they're the ones that figured out their hook on their own. They just didn't realize it. They buried it at the bottom. So I think that's one of the best ways to look at storytelling: is what were kind of like the the final thoughts you had before you figured it out. Like maybe that should be part of the hook. But but really, yeah, the the tricks I use are are all about speaking you statements, speaking directly to an individual, not a group of people. You're not in a you're not doing a TED talk. So don't say you guys and you all then. You know? Yeah, you all, you guys, unless you're doing that ironically or trying to be a smart ass or something, you know. So but yeah, that to me is so important. Speaking directly to the audience, using you statements, but also giving them a reason to care. You know, like a lot of times people will sum up the whole entire thing in the first few lines and it's like, I'm not going to click the see more button. Why would I? I'm not intrigued. You didn't give me anything to to think about. It's like even just asking a question, like, what do you think about X, Y, Z? Someone's got to sit there and think to themselves. And then if there's nothing else, they're going to click the see more button to continue to figure out what their, their curiosity is leading them towards.
0: Can you free flow? Like, give me an example, like just off the top of your head, pick something that you either wrote recently or that you think you would write about and just, just speak the opening to me. Because I think that's the hardest part. Like you like you said, if they don't click to see more, they're never gonna, it's never gonna work, right? No,
1: and that's your that's your biggest push point in the very beginning uh, for LinkedIn. So that is so valuable. If I were to ad lib or whatever, like the post I did yesterday, I, it was inspired by a TikTok that I had made a long time ago. And it started out with, TikTok is gonna eat YouTube's lunch. <laughs> and it just like starts out like that. So I took that and I basically refined it. And I was like, if I, I can't think of it exactly, but basically I was like, right now or in the future, TikTok is going to replace YouTube as the number one for video search. And it might also give Google a run for its money too. And then I put space and there's your headline. And so that was what captured people, gave them a reason to care. They're like, YouTube, what? Google? No way. That's too bonkers to, to even think about. And then they jump down and I lay out piece by piece why I think this. So I'm creating a very strong statement it's against the status quo. Uh, you know, it may or may not be true. I'm speculating here. And then I go into these broken apart pieces of my analysis of why I think this is the case, and then I wrap it up with saying, "What do you think?" And you know, like, I'm just one person and one perspective. What do you think?" And then it invites in someone who's primed and either pissed off or passionate to jump in there and give their spiel about it.
0: I love this. I love this. Okay, thank you for going deep with me on the written stuff because I think this will be really valuable for people. Yeah, so let's talk about video a little bit. Like what do you do with video? Because obviously that's a different animal on LinkedIn. So what tips do you have and advice on that?
1: Yeah, I'd say try not to make it boring. I don't know. There's just there. there's a lot of stuff that just are you
0: using the exact same words in video that you're using in the written word? Is it kind of the same script?
1: No, it's condensed, much more condensed. And I think with LinkedIn, you get a little bit more room to not be as Provocative with your hook on TikTok, you're definitely shooting for provocative. You got to get people's attention. And the thing is, is that people are on TikTok scrolling and mindlessly going about their life and their day. With LinkedIn, people are coming here for a reason. They have a hyper focused awareness of why they're here. They have a mission involved, whether it's to grow themselves or grow their business. So that alone changes the way that people interact with you. And so I think that's why you can get away with a hook and people will read and they'll, they'll go into context and people will re- literally basically read a lifestyle blog by you every single day on your LinkedIn page, word for word. That's insane. Try finding that kind of attention span anywhere else. And so that alone makes it really, really powerful in that sense. So that's why TikTok, you have to push for that really, really sharp You know, my the guy I work with, Jamie, who's a huge guy on TikTok and he's grown so many accounts, he'll just squeeze it all together. And he's like, look, think of it this way. If someone has a gun to your head and you have to reduce that video down to 20 seconds, it's at 45. You got to get it down to 20 seconds. Find a way to do it because TikTok is short form. You have to be quick.
0: So wait a minute. I'm confused. So does that mean that same thing works on LinkedIn as well?
1: Well, I think so. Yeah, the the same sort of attitude towards like trying to make your hooks really so I'm in in my process, my content has changed through building my brand on TikTok. I've been able to get even better at LinkedIn. Yeah, I think it it does affect that area and I think the world is moving more towards that of like, yeah, you really got to try to get my attention or I'm going to keep scrolling. So So yeah, it has to pack more of a punch. I keep feeling like that's the way I want to describe it.
0: (laughs) I like that. When you're publishing on LinkedIn, is this more like you're in selfie mode holding your camera and walking and talking and looking at the camera? Or are you in the the vertical mode like you would be on TikTok? And is it just a casual conversation between you and the other person the same way it would be as if you were to write them something and make it personal?
1: Yeah. So it would be vertical either on my stick that I have here, my tripod or... So
0: vertical works on LinkedIn, huh? Okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You just upload it just like anything else. And right now, LinkedIn or in the last like six months finally started to, to care about video. And so they updated all the features. I was one of the first people to get it. Luckily, I can't believe it. You know, that never happened. So I was playing around with it and geeking out and freaking out about it. And so now you get impressions instead of views, which is very common with the rest of the industry, which is a very tall tale sign that LinkedIn is getting with the times, you know, and they also brought in the laughter emoji, which means that we're okay with some entertainment, you know, like it's okay to laugh at things now, you know? So there's a lot of signs that LinkedIn is doing that, that lead us towards the the belief. And so with the videos, you also, they're prioritizing the length of how long people are watching it. So I did an experiment. I posted a five second video just to see what would happen. Does it loop? Yeah. And it loops if you don't click on it. So a ton of people are just chilling, looking at that video for the longest time. And I took that five second video and I I must've gotten like, I don't know what it was. It was like over a hundred minutes, if not longer, like within one evening. And I was just like, how many people are seeing this and like watching it on repeat, you know? So anyways, it's being prioritized. And the fact that they're looking at the same kind of analytics that TikTok does, watch time and all this other stuff, that to me means that they're prioritizing short form content and they're valuing it. I'm reading the tea leaves here or whatever, but yeah. and, And I think that's really, really cool for a lot of creators. But that also means that the longer stuff is going to get shot down in the algorithm because that watch time is going to be lower. If you're posting a four plus minute video, you know, meandering on about some random insightful, I'm sure insightful subject, the algorithm is not going to be loving it as much as it might have in the past. So these trends are speaking to the fact that that TikTok is even affecting the way that LinkedIn is looking at video These insights are insane to me. And so anybody that's producing anywhere else, IG or anywhere else, like they should be resharing it over to LinkedIn and taking full advantage of that new and improved analytics that should be very encouraging for people.
0: Daniel, Kading, this has been really, really, really fascinating. And so many people listening to this are like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. The things I'm doing over on the other social platforms, I can actually do on LinkedIn. you know. And then you've got a lot of people who are good at writing and they're like, wow, okay, I didn't even think to do some of these ideas that you were talking about, about just sharing stories of my experiences and the struggles that I deal with and all the other things that are going on in my business and in my life on LinkedIn. How fascinating If folks want to find you on LinkedIn or they want to reach out to you anywhere else, where do you want to send them?
1: My website, Daniel K A D I N G K-A-D-I-N-G.com. It's not that impressive, but it does the job. And if you want to find me on any one of the social platforms I'm on, at BrandWithDan, it's all the same, same orange picture. So you should be able to find me. And I'm very active on Twitter as well as TikTok and IG. And LinkedIn is my mothership, as I like to say. So if you want to find me there, Daniel Kading, same thing, same orange picture. Yeah, feel free to check me out. I talk about a lot of fun stuff. I really try to make LinkedIn a fun community and a great place for people to actually share their ideas and build community and yeah, just spread good vibes. I mean, hey, I'm from Colorado after all, right? So <laughs> it's, yeah, we're, we're all about it.
0: Thank you, Daniel, so much for sharing your insights with us today. We're better because of it.
1: I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you at mediaexaminer.com slash 521. Can you believe 521 episodes? And by the way, if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us on whatever that platform is that you're listening to this on, because that way you'll get notified when new podcast episodes drop. And if you've been a longtime listener, I know you hear me say this a lot, but would you help me out? Share this with your friends. I am at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter, S-T-E-L-Z-N-E-R or at Stelzner on Instagram. And this is now the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smarketingsociety.com to find out more.